Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens, a production of WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region, a podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the Cities Podcast. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds says she wants her state to be more like Illinois. Well, let's be honest, not in so many words. What she does want is a flat 4% income tax across the board for all Iowa taxpayers. So Iowa would join Illinois and eight other states with a flat tax on incomes. They range from a flat 5.25% in North Carolina to just over 3% in Pennsylvania. We talked with Iowa State Senator Chris Knoyer, who was once the Pleasant Valley School Board President. Flat tax is what we're talking about right now. 4% flat tax. Are you fully in favor of that? Well, I think it's a great start. Um, you know, we uh, we are ending another fiscal year with over a billion dollar budget, and that's not our money, that's the taxpayers' money. So I think that we've shown that, uh, that we have been able to weather a global, you know, pandemic, um, and we have a diversified economy. Uh, we're bringing over a billion dollars more in revenue than our budget needs, and we're it's time to return that back to the taxpayer, the people that earned it. You do know the argument between a flat tax and a progressive tax, with a flat tax being a flat rate of 4% on income. A progressive tax taxing people who make more, they get taxed more. People who make less get taxed less. Isn't that more fair? Yeah, well, that's this is the governor's proposal. So, you know, we're going to have a proposal uh, coming out of the Senate. I'm sure the House will have another proposal, and this is where we're going to start our negotiations. But I think the bottom line here is that we have to become more competitive um, in our tax structure to help uh, not just with individuals in retaining people in our state, but attracting people in our state. Um, and it'll not only help individuals, but it'll also help our businesses that can pass those savings along in higher wages to their employees. You know, we've got, uh, you know, additionally, and uh, we're losing people to Florida, you know, those states that don't have. Uh, state income tax, Florida, Texas, South Dakota, and they're all growing. There's other taxes that also have flat taxes, um, and they're seeing some growth too and some success in that. And I have colleagues that would like to eventually get to know state income tax as well. So um, I, I look forward to those discussions. Well, I was going to point that out. As you well know, the, the Senate president saying he wants to see Iowa to be a no income tax state. How uh, feasible do you think that is? Well, I think we have to be responsible when we when we had those talks. You know, we have a five year plan and we're always looking at uh, down the road and running the numbers to make sure that any cuts that we make today aren't going to hurt us down the road. We want to make sure that we're continuing to provide uh, for our priorities and also the services that Iowans expect. Because to be honest, I mean, Iowa did weather the pandemic, at least fiscally, very well, but it also got a great deal of federal help in that in that area. 
Yeah, um, we, th there is a ton of federal money that, have, that has come into Iowa, and I think the governor's doing a really good job dispersing that across the state, um, whether it be uh, given to cities and counties, to school districts. She's also using it to invest in continuing the expansion of broadband against the, uh, across the state to make sure everybody has access to that high-speed internet. And then something interesting that she said in her speech was uh, to give retention bonuses to our teachers, first responders, and correctional officers. I did see that as well. I mean, is that does that seem to be like a, a cornerstone, a pillar that you support as far as retention of, of these uh, critical workers? Well, I think it's important to acknowledge that these are the people that couldn't work remotely during the pandemic. You know, they weathered the storm, they hung in there, they they went into work every day. And and I think that, uh, you know, a retention bonus, a thousand dollars. I mean, um, you know, I think it's a it's a it's a reasonable uh, uh, uh use of that federal funds. I mean, it's one-time money. We can't we can't use that federal money for ongoing expenses. So um, I think being creative with what you can do with uh, one-time money, I think one of the things that uh, she can do with them is one-time bonuses to show people that they are appreciated. Let's talk about Iowa schools because the uh, Senate president really did lay down some very tough words towards school districts that are allowing certain books and certain lessons to be taught inside the schools, actually even calling for criminal prosecution of teachers who may break some of these laws as far as uh, what, what he perceives as obscene material. You're a former school board president. You were listening to that as well. What was your initial blush? What's your first reaction? Um, well, my first reaction to Senator Chapman's comments were that they were they were pretty bold and they were pretty aggressive. Um, and you know, Senator Chapman speaks for Senator Chapman. He doesn't speak for the rest of us. But I understand Senator Chapman's uh, concern with some of the materials that we're finding in public schools. Um, you know, if there there are graphical graphic Im images and graphic content that is so sexual in nature that it can't be sh printed in the newspaper or uh, printed you know, shown on the evening news. And if, it, if it's not appropriate for the paper or uh, the local news, uh, I'm not sure how it's appropriate to be in a K-12 public school library. So that is something that we need to address. Uh, the governor uh, mentioned it in her condition of the state address. And it's something that we're definitely going to be taking a hard look at. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, his remarks were perceived as an attack on teachers. Uh, I support teachers and I think that most educators and administrators across the state are doing the right thing for kids. And if there's one or two, you know, there's a few bad actors out there um, that are pushing uh, inappropriate agendas on our kids. That is cer certainly something that we need to address. But do you support his call for legislation that could criminally prosecute school employees who give obscene material to students? Well, I mean, that's already illegal to distribute pornography or inappropriate content to students. So if there's something that we need to do to help enforce those laws, then uh, I definitely support that. Now, the governor was also calling in her speech, as you mentioned, she brought up that topic as well. And one mm -hmm. of the things that she wants to see as a solution is almost uh, every school district giving a full list of the books that are in the library even, as well as those that are used for teaching so that there's more transparency. Mm -hmm. That would be a Herculean effort for some smaller school districts. Well, school libraries already have a list of the books that they have in their library. Um, so, uh, you know, simply publishing them on their website, I'm not sure would be too big of a task for them, but I think it's fair, you know, if a, 
if you take your child down to the local public library, you can see all the books that are available in that library system. So, um, but you're there with your child when they're looking at those books and you don't have that kind of oversight when they're in the school library. So um, I think taking that list that the schools already have of everything that they can, that is in the school libraries now and putting it on the public website so parents can see what's out there, um, I, I think, I, I don't see a, I don't see a problem with that. There's also a strong push among Republicans to advance more school choice uh, options for parents. As a as a former school board president, you know the importance of uh, of public schools and and the fear that that will take money away from the public schools. How do you fall on that? Well, I think you know we already have a lot of choice. Um, you know, you can open enroll. You can send your first of all, you can send your child to public school, or you can open enroll to another neighboring district if they have programs that are better suited to your child. You can go to private school. You can uh, homeschool. I mean, th there is already a lot of choice in education. So. Uh, I haven't seen the governor's plans for what, what she intends to do with that. Um, I think the discussion um, so is more around uh, those students that uh, are, in, are, are living in poverty um, and those lower income families that maybe can't afford to send their child to private school or, or, or take advantages of some of those choices. So helping them financially with some of those choices, I think, um, I think that's where the conversation is going, but we already have quite a bit of school choice uh, available to parents in the state of Iowa. So I'm looking forward to seeing what those, uh, uh, you know, suggestions are and, and I'll be in the room when we're neg negotiating them. Let's talk about another issue that affects so many young families and young women in particular, and that is the need for childcare. Uh, affordable childcare, even if it's even available. I mean, you know there's waiting lists for months for women who are trying to get back into the workforce and finding it very difficult. Do you think Iowa's gonna come to a better solution or an incentive in the coming year? Yeah, well, we've done a lot of work in the last year and uh, the governor had a child child care task force that made some excellent recommendations um, over this last interim that um, I hope that we'll be continuing to address that issue. I mean, it's a massive workforce issue. You know, if you can't, uh, if you don't have quality, uh, dependable and affordable child care for your children, it's hard for you to go into work and, and participate in, in the workforce. So um, it's really important. That's going to continue to be uh, a priority. And the governor uh, uh, put forward some recommendations to help with public-private partnerships and incentives uh, to get more day care, uh, uh, child care slots across the state. And that's not just daytime, but, you know, second shift workers and, um, uh, you know, there's a variety of issues across the state. And I think the recommendations from that task force were strong, and I'm, I'm looking forward to working on that. What is your biggest priority for this coming session, you personally? Well, um, you know, of course, tax cuts is always an important priority for me to lessen the burden on our hardworking Iowans. But um, I'm really proud of an initiative that we're working on, or I'm personally working on, uh, to address uh, maternal health care or women's health, um, specifically addressing crisis pregnancies, access to birth control, um, as supporting healthy pregnancies and, and postpartum support, um, especially postpartum mental health, you know, and making sure that we're doing everything that we can uh, to get women through healthy pregnancies, postpartum support, so our children can have the best start in life possible because we know how important those first zero to five years are. And if we can get them on a good, uh, good path early, it will help them uh, for, their, for the rest of their life and, and, and reach their maximum potentials. Iowa State Senator Chris Knoyer.
Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network.